have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. As if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. to brutes, men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. Jason Burmis, this is Reality Rants, brought to you by RedVoiceMedia.com, and we are ready to kick off another week of independent media that you will not see just about anywhere else, and the lead story is yet another microcosm of how the establishment media is totally and completely beholden to narrative management and what they like to call the great narrative. Now, the great narrative is essentially one of convenience when you can tell a story that benefits your predatory global agenda. Okay, and this is not new. Narrative management is really just a part, a portion of psychological warfare, which has been utilized for centuries, if not millennia. There's the physical warfare, there's the psychological warfare. And there was a story that came out over the weekend that just blew me away that I had not heard it literally anywhere else And it actually hearkened back to an interview I had done a couple weeks ago via premium. Great reason, by the way, great reason to be supporting this broadcast over at www.redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored, okay? Because two weeks ago, and now it's about to be free, we'll post it sometime this week, I was interviewing... Or being interviewed by. It's hard for me to tell because we had the premium interview with uh, Richard Andrew Grove. And then I went on his show, Grand Theft World. I'm going to put that out as well. I know a lot of people don't sit through seven-hour podcasts. I love that podcast. I was actually watching it last night. And and again, I saw a couple videos that I had not seen um, that we're at least going to briefly discuss today. And I brought up 
John Lennon. And I said, isn't it weird that whenever the Federal Bureau of Investigation is all up on somebody, is all up in the business, okay, like John Lennon, like Martin Luther King Jr., okay, they die. They get shot. And I said they get shot in the head. And then all of a sudden, kind of almost in passing, Richard Andrew Grove says, or in the chest. And I believe he brought up this person uh, who we're going to discuss today, David Whelan. Okay? He says, if you believe David Whelan. I believe that's in there, again, a couple weeks ago. We know my brain can be a bit rusty every once in a while. And I go, oh, I, I'd never heard that before. I was totally and completely unaware of what they were talking about. And then this story comes out. Second shooter behind John Lennon murder. New evidence reveals bullets from two different guns were, per, were pulled from Beetle legend body in autopsy. That seems like a big story. Now, over the years, the left has praised John Lennon. I gradually, as I learned more about the FBI and John Lennon, which is a great documentary, by the way, it's got to be well over a decade old, maybe even a decade and a half at this point. And his anti, not only his anti-war stance, but his stance on overpopulation and how there's plenty of resources and that the world can have a much larger carrying capacity. We've played that famous interview with Dick Cavett on the show before, and it's an important one. Okay. It's one that matters. Because this guy was a cultural icon. Now, I know a ton of you in the comments are going to go, Beatles, Tavistock, all that stuff. Moot point. Irrelevant. I'm not saying that the Tavistock Institute didn't prop up the Beatles. I'm not saying that a lot of what we saw with Beatlemania wasn't convoluted or even constructed or part of a great narrative back then. That's not the discussion today. The discussion is that you have one of the most beloved figures in music and entertainment. And you have this headline, not at ABC News, not at CBS, not at Fox News, MSNBC, or CNN, but once again, the Daily Mail. If this is true, and there is, I mean, the document's right there from the morgue, Okay, and this person sent, spent several years. We're going to read the entire article because it's an important one. This should be the lead story everywhere, no matter what else is going on in the world. Escalation of the war in Ukraine, this should be the number one story. Donnie T fighting the indictment, Bill Barr saying Johnny nonsense about it. This should be the number one story even if it didn't involve the Federal Bureau of Investigations that look in large part, I deem necessary. You need a law enforcement agency to handle things that are beyond the scope of the local police department, the sheriff's office, especially when you're talking about crimes that span several states and do have an organized element to them or... You're dealing with a person or network 
that are trafficking human beings. We're going to talk about high-level trafficking a little bit later down the line today. In fact, I have uh, Kathy O'Brien speaking back in like 92. It's like 20, a 22-minute excerpt of her, and uh, she's the woman behind Transformation of America. It's amazing how accurate and uh, prophetic that work has been. I'm not saying all of it is correct, but then again, you're talking about somebody that was involved in being allegedly, but it doesn't look alleged to me. I mean, spoke before Congress, uh, mind-controlled sex slavery. So I would assume during that type of abuse, there are going to be points in time where cognitively you may not be there. You may be under the influence of this or that. And, and that certainly, uh, to me, seems like aspects of this. Okay, so we're going to go over that. So without the FBI being in, like possibly involved in this, revelations in John Lennon's murder should be everywhere. We're, we're a culture obsessed with celebrity. But now all of a sudden, that generation of the 60s, 70s, 50s, their heroes don't matter anymore. It's not even a part of the cultural fabric of what's going on today. And that's by design. Those that do not know the past, okay, are doomed to repeat it. And when you allow somebody like this to be murdered, murdered, and then you scapegoat just one individual when the evidence clearly points to more than that, you've done your narrative management. And if you can hold that lie for 40 years plus, 40 years plus, when it does come out to the contrary, first of all, I'm sure this guy is going to be attacked. I'm sure people are going to try to debunk this. But again, it certainly hasn't been reported on in the media in this country. And that shows you where we're at. We can't report on important revelations about not only our celebrity culture 40-plus years ago, but the anti-war, the anti-globalist culture, and the culture of corruption within our intelligence agencies, okay? Within our law enforcement agencies, and at lower levels, I understand why some FBI agents, like when, when they blow the whistle, they, they say, you know, I don't, I don't want to make the agency sound bad. And I think the agency's great. And, you know, I would never, you know, Christopher Ray is a great individual and Robert Mueller is a great individual. And this certainly isn't going after their character. I mean, I've worked with them, blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, those people at the top, Ray, Mueller, etc., are beholden to the great narrative, are puppets of the predator class, are the ones that allow the mass levels of corruption at the top. The FBI, along with the CIA, essentially works as the cover-up crew for black operations, okay? And we're going to go over... A little bit of the, the Donnie T indictment today, and now you got Bill Barr out there. I told you Bill Barr was bad news. Warned everybody from the beginning. Old Billy CIA Barr. Oh, if half of what is in the indictment is true, ooh, 
He's toast. He's toast. Meanwhile, you know, that criminal case, those federal indictments, that's just the beginning of what they're about to do. A total and complete banana republic style. And we're going to focus on that which essentially are really non-issues, which, which are make-believe and imagination land. Donnie T. didn't put us all in danger with classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. It's obscene that they're doing this to the guy. And, you know, I had a great conversation with Ryan Christian of The Last American Vagabond. We're going to play a small portion of that t- today. Uh, for the premium over the weekend. I want to encourage people to go check that out. Great interview, especially if you're supporting the broadcast. And we talked about the real faults of Donnie T. You know, you know that a lot of it was window dressing. One of the things that he tweeted at me later that we didn't bring up was the killing of Soleimani, which he still talks about as if it's the best thing since breakfast. We killed Soleimani. Bad move. <laughs> Bad move. That guy was our ally in Iraq and helped fight ISIS, which our government, our deep state helped prop up. That's what all the evidence shows. Another fault of Donnie T that we didn't get to bring up. He still talks about the Syrian attack in Douma as if there was a gas attack by Assad on his own people. Not real. Imagination land. So you got to be fair. You got to go both sides. Does that mean that he's not being wrongly persecuted and prosecuted? Of course not. That's exactly that's exactly what's going on. They don't want him to run for some reason. They don't want him in there. Why? I believe it's because somebody like DeSantis is much more of a malleable puppet. I believe it's that look, they can't run with Joey B anymore, Zombie J much longer. They don't want any opposition to him, all right, unless it's their opposition or their installment of a Gavin Newsom or someone similar. That's what is really going on. So on the flip side of this upcoming break, we're going to read this Daily Mail article about John Lennon and two, count them, two separate kinds of bullets being pulled from his body. That revelation 40 plus years after the event, we're going to get into that significance and so much more. Remember, all the premium is over at redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored. It's not just Ryan Christian. We had Ian Crossland this weekend. Bang up interviews. We're going to be playing samples of each, and we'll do that sometime after a word from our sponsor. You're still looking good. I'm still feeling good. You know, I've got all your MyPillow products. Mattress topper, bed sheets, MyPillows, towels, slippers, blankets, sleepwear. Whoa, whoa, Charles. Everyone now can get MyPillow products at huge discounts at MyPillow.com. That's right. Now's the time to go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to take advantage of our three-in-one sale. We're bringing you exciting new products, overstock specials, and closeout deals you won't find anywhere else. For example, when you buy one of our brand new MyPillow 2.0s, you get another one absolutely free. And with our overstock sale, you save 50% on our luxurious Giza Dream bed sheets. That's as low as $29.99 for the best sheets ever. 
And with our biggest closeout special, you get our all-season slippers for only $35, or our sandals and slides for just $25. Quantities are limited, and once they're gone, they're gone. Thanks, Mike. I'm interrupting that commercial. <laughs> Use the promo code RVM when shopping at all my pillow store items. Okay, let's read this bad boy. Let's get into it. We got a ton of other headlines. Uh, I don't know whether we're going to get into the 10-foot aliens and the family that claims to have seen them, the weird police dash cam footage, all that weirdness. Uh, PSYOP, anybody? I don't know. You know, I, I don't want to accuse a family of being dishonest, but I, I really wonder what happened to them, what they encountered. It doesn't feel like a group hoax in the sense that they just called the police for calling the police. It seems like something did happen there. Uh, but we'll get there. We'll get into it. We're going to hit that one. Uh, we're also going to talk about Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, uh, apparently died of suicide over the weekend. First, it came out that he died in his 80s in prison. Uh, now it's uh, being revealed through sources that it appears that he committed suicide, maybe even uh, tried to commit suicide prior to this by hanging himself with his underwear. Uh, very possible, by the way. Uh, and I think that we're going to give a very different take on Kaczynski than uh, most people. I'm certainly not going to aggrandize him or uh, any type of hero worship, but uh, we're going to go to an old school article by Bill Joy that some of you may be aware of called Why the Future Doesn't Need Us. And again, talk about prophetic. Uh, that article now, 20 plus years old. 20 plus. I mean, closer, I think, to 25 years old. That's how crazy... Uh, it's crazy the world's gotten. But again, let's read this bad boy. So here it is. Second shooter behind John Lennon murder. New evidence emerges. Two different guns may have been used in the John Lennon shooting, according to a British writer investigating the case. Author and TV producer David Whelan has unearthed official records showing for the first time that two different types of bullets were removed from the music legend's body following his fatal shooting on December 9th, 1980. Mr. Whelan believes a second shooter could have been involved in the murder of John Lennon and has now uncovered dramatic new evidence supporting his case. The Mail Online reported in April how Mr. Whelan already discovered a trove of fascinating documents relating to the killing, which took place as Lennon and his wife Yoko Ono returned to their home in the Dakota building overlooking New York's Central Park. Mr. Whelan's three-year investigation into the murder has highlighted a series of extraordinary inconsistencies, including the suggestion that detectives may have fundamentally misunderstood how the shooting happened. Okay? And you, you see this right here. Here's, here's some of the documentation that he is discussing. Okay? And there's uh, the other bullet, lead bullet, load bullet. Okay? Now, they say there are 38 cals on both of these, but he's discovered evidence that uh, suggests something possibly a little bit different, eh? Mail Online has exclusively revealed some of Whelan's dossier, including uh, convicted gunman Mark Chapman's hit list, published for the first time, which as well as the former Beatle, also featured Marlon Brando and former First Lady Jackie Kennedy Onassis. Now Whelan's research has focused on the bullets recovered from the scene. Oddly, only two slugs were ever entered into evidence, according to the documents, despite the fact that Chapman said to have fired 
all the rounds in his five chamber 38 special revolver, four of them hitting Lennon. <clears throat> the whereabouts of the missing three bullets is unknown, but two bullets, which were removed from Lennon's body during the autopsy, raise their own intriguing questions, says Mr. Whelan, because they are marked as being of different types. One is marked on a receipt from the New York morgue where Lennon's body was stored as a 138 caliber SWC, which stands for semi-wad cutter or hollow point, designed to spread out on the impact with a target. The other is simply listed as a 38 cal lead bullet. So there you go. That was the difference right there. Mr. Whelan told Mail Online, though unlikely, it is possible to have different types of ammunition in a single revolver. Seems bizarre. But Chapman always insisted he was using hollow point wad cutter bullets and he was familiar with guns and ammunition from his security days. He added, different bullet types found in John Lennon's body is explosive information. Perhaps this is one of the reasons why Lennon's autopsy has not been leaked to the world by authorities. And the wishes of Lennon's family to keep John's autopsy private have been respected. 40 plus years later. By the way, let's get the thumbs up on this one. Thumbs up, subscribe, share. Remember, the second hour is 100% free over at rvmrumble.com. Make sure to subscribe to the Rumble channel of Red Voice Media, myself, and all the other great hosts that are on there. But remember, that stream goes from now until 8.30 p.m., almost 12 hours, Monday through Thursday. Not gonna wanna miss it. As we revealed in April, Mr. Whelan, 56, has spoken to key figures involved in the aftermath of the shooting. These included the surgeon who treated Lennon and two nurses who assisted, as well as uncovering other witness testimonies which don't appear to correspond with the official narrative. The prosecution's version of events, accepted by the courts, was that a disturbed loner Chapman lay in wait for Lennon and shot five times, four of the bullets hitting his victim in the back. But this now appears to be riddled with contradictions. Instead, Whelan's witness suggests the way the shooting was officially recorded may have been completely wrong, with the fatal shots fired into Lennon's chest rather than his back. Okay, interesting. Let's see what else we got here. He added, If Mark David Chapman was shooting hollow bullets at John Lennon and only one hit him with four missing, this could account for the one which was found in Lennon. It could also account for three bullet holes low down in the glass vestibule doors, which were at a height that didn't match Lennon's upper left chest wounds. As for the normal uh, lead bullets that was found in Lennon, could this have come from the weapon of a second shooter inside the vestibule area and be the single bullet that a doctor and two nurses all said was left in Lennon's body? He added the scenario would be that Chapman fired at Lennon when he was walking into the vestibule doors. Four missed, with three hitting the glass doors. One hollow bullet struck Lennon. Lennon staggered onwards into the vestibule, but a second shooter concealed inside the building finished the job and shot Lennon with four bullets in his upper left chest area in a tight professional grouping, as the medical staff all claimed. A tight professional grouping with one bullet staying in Lennon and three exiting his back. In my opinion, this scenario is the only credible explanation for two different bullet types being found in John Lennon's body 
and the three lowly positioned bullet holes in the glass doors. He added, a new independent investigation into John Lennon's assassination surely must now be conducted to clear up these disturbing anomalies. We owe John Lennon and his family the truth about his awful murder. A murder which is increasingly beginning to look like a cleverly conspired assassination. Ballistic expert Andrew Kerr said he could not be 100% certain the two bullets were of a different type from a photo, but added, I think you can believe what has been recorded on the evidence tags on that. Mr. Kerr, managing director of Birmingham-based ballistic armor design and manufacturing company England Safety, added, you can't tell from the picture alone that the two bullets have come from the same barrel, but you'd have expected the police to have carried out that as a basic investigation. I don't think you can read much into the swapping between hollow points and ordinary bullets because most criminals are disorganized. They take what they can get. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. Most criminals are disorganized. Are they? Maybe crimes of passion. Premeditated, premeditated crimes by those with weapons training from the security business? They're disorganized? I had a list. Just It's just so bizarre, the excuses and the annotations we get in these major events. Because what? A great narrative has to be maintained. That's the reality. Mr. Whelan previously revealed firsthand witnesses statements by a medical team who tried to save Lennon, surgeon, uh, Dr. David Halloran, and two nurses, Barbara Kimmerer and Dia Saito, all of whom stated unequivocally, that Lennon was shot four times in his upper chest area from the front. With three of the bullets exiting from his left back, one round remained in his chest or lower shoulder area from the front. Not back into the left, from the front. Eyewitnesses do agree on where Chapman was standing just at the entrance to the Dakota's Porticio uh, with his back to Chapman. Said Mr. Whelan, as in the case of John F. Kennedy, you simply cannot get shot in the front from the back. He continued, the hollow point bullets Chapman supposedly used do not usually pass through a victim as they are designed to spread out on impact, causing maximum damage to the body. Yet three bullets did pass through Lennon, leaving holes in the glass panels of a vestibule door attached to the security entrance of the building. Whelan claimed that the slub marks on the door were too low to have come from the shoulder. Sometimes they repeat a little too much here. I'll just say that. We're almost there. But yeah, I want the whole thing. I want the whole shebango on this one. This one, I don't know how this hasn't gone mega viral yet. Even without the mainstream media. Again, John Lennon, one of the most influential characters. One of the most influential characters of the 20th century. Period. And especially, you know, in that 1950s through the Vietnam era, right? Post-World War II through Nam, pretty important guy. Other evidence gleaned from Whelan about those uh, who may have influenced Chapman has led him to question whether the young man might have been groomed for the assassination through manipulation or even hypnosis by powerful backers with links to the right-wing Southern Baptist groups the U.S. military, or the Central Intelligence Agency. Ding, 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 
Da-ding! Mail Online contacted the NYPD. Um, what is that it? So, so you just you ended it with they contacted the NYPD. Wish they would have said whether or not they responded with anything. So there's the hit list right there: Walter Cronkite, Johnny Carson, uh, George C. Scott, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, and Marlon Brando. It's very bizarre to me that Lennon's at the top. They're all TV people, okay, or movie people. So you've got famous people, but the only political figure is John Kennedy's wife. That's bizarre, right? And one newsman, Walter Cronkite, the most trusted man in the news. America's most trusted news anchor at the time. George C. Scott almost feels out of place. I mean, huge actor at the time, but certainly uh, not like a name like Brando or Carson. Just really bizarre. A story that, again, should be going mega super viral, but for some reason isn't even being discussed in most places. Weird. Weird indeed. Now, on the flip side of this next break, we're going to talk about the Unabomber, uh, Ted Kaczynski, his death, and this article right here. Why the future doesn't need us. And you can still read this today. This is, uh, again, now, wow, it's, it's crazy. 23 years old? Is it? A little bit more? This is April 1st, 2000. This is on the heels of Ray Kurzweil, who's featured in the beginning of this article. We're going to probably read all the way through the significant portion uh, regarding Ted Kaczynski, which may take us a little bit of time, just a, a, a tiny smidge of time, but important. This is way back in the day during the age of spiritual machines, which we constantly reference, because this is where people within the tech industry started to realize transhumanism is a real thing. And Bill Joy was on the inside with Sun Microsystems. That and so much more after this word from our sponsor. Welcome to Reagan Gold Group. We're glad you're here. We understand that you're probably feeling the pain of rising inflation and are worried about how it may be affecting your hard-earned savings. Thanks to H.R. 5376 passed by President Biden, many 401k and IRA savers are facing a nightmare. Governments are printing fiat currency at an alarming rate, which means that the value of your savings is being eroded day by day. However, there is a way to escape wealth confiscation. Precious metals such as gold does not depreciate over time and is a sound investment that keeps on growing. Physical gold is not subject to fraud, and as inflation rises, so does the price of gold. It's an investment product that is renowned for its ability to hedge against inflation. I'm Leith Eaton, the Senior Account Executive here at Reagan Gold Group. We offer 100% free IRA rollovers with free storage, maintenance, and insurance for up to three years on qualified orders. We understand that your financial needs and goals may change over time which is why we offer a hassle-free buyback commitment. This allows you to sell your precious metals any day, any time at the current market value. Whether you're looking to cash in on your investment, diversify your portfolio, or simply need some extra cash, our buyback commitment is here to support you. We offer a price match guarantee to ensure you get the best price for your precious metal investments. 
Contact us before making a purchase and we'll beat any competitor's price. We also understand the importance of the safe and secure shipping of your metals. That's why we fully ensure all orders ship to our customers with signature required. Book a free consultation with us now to learn how you can invest in precious metals and hedge your financial future. And for a limited time, we're offering up to $2,500 in free gold and silver. Don't miss out on this limited opportunity. Contact us today to take advantage of this amazing offer. rvmgold.com for all your gold needs. Okay. I want to read this quote quickly. If our society had no social problems at all, the leftists would have to invent problems in order to provide themselves with an excuse for making a fuss. That's Kaczynski. And look, I don't like the left-right paradigm. I believe this is a predator class, a globalist class. Um, but I also do believe both sides, the left and the right, are utilized in this agenda and the social agendas of control are definitely more along the lines of the left but hey they had every right to complain about the unjust war in vietnam and once again lenin was a hero of the left where's all the stories let's get a hundred thumbs up i want to remind people again second hour completely free rvm rumble.com. Let's get into it. Why the future doesn't need us. Our most powerful 21st century technology, robotics, genetic engineering, and nanotech are threatening to make humans an endangered species. How prophetic is this? Now, first of all, look at the graphics here. You got basically these old school cogs and they're not even like the cogs in the machine. They're the useless cogs that are left over, kind of the excrement right? The, 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 the garbajo. Then you got what appear, I don't even know the, the uh, painting. I'm not going to sit here and act like, oh, well, this is the Renaissance period. And, but it sure looks like, you know, something that is talking about God, possibly uh, angels in the back with the flying birds, etc. as a reference. But it, it, religion, okay? There, we got a little bit of bio nanotech going on, eh? A comrade, a little bit of bio nanotech, and then right here, the sun, novas, etc. And uh, this still shot from 2001, A Space Odyssey, um, one of the most prophetic films out there, especially in the arena of artificial intelligence and transhumanism, which go together like peanut butter and jelly. Okay? So here it is, Bill Joy of Sun Microsystems, why the future doesn't need us. Uh, I know that if you watch AJ, this uh, article is constantly referenced, and it should be because it's very, very important. I became involved in the creation of new technologies, their ethical dimensions. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, their ethic ethical dimensions have concerned me, but it was the only in the autumn of 1998 that I became anxiously aware of how great are the dangers facing us in the 21st century. I can date the onset of my unease the day I met Ray Kurzweil, the deservedly famous inventor of the first reading machine for the blind and many other amazing things. Absolutely. Kurzweil's a smart guy. Ray and I were both speakers at George Gilder's tele, uh, Telecosm conference, and I encountered him by chance in the bar of the hotel after both our sessions were over. 
I was sitting with John Searle, a Berkeley philosopher who studies consciousness. While we were talking, Ray approached and a conversation began. The subject which haunts me to this day. And it is haunting when you look at the repercussions here. While I had heard such talk before, I had always felt sentient robots were in the realm of science fiction. But now, from someone I respected, I was hearing a strong argument that they were a near-term possibility. And by the way, Kurzweil has said that the singularity or the point in which robotic artificial intelligent learning surpasses that of human beings comes in the 2030 marker. Okay, less than seven years away. Just pointing that out. I was taken aback, especially given Ray's proven ability to imagine and create the future. I already knew or uh, uh, knew that the new technologies like genetic engineering and nanotechnology were giving us the power to remake the world, but a realistic and imminent scenario for intelligent robots surprised me. It's easy to get jaded about such breakthroughs. We hear in the news almost every day of some kind of technological or uh, scientific advance. Yet this was no ordinary prediction. In the hotel bar, Ray gave me a partial preprint of, of his then forthcoming book, The Age of Spiritual Machines, which outlined a utopia he foresaw. One in which humans gained near immortality by becoming one with robotic technology. On reading it, my sense of unease only intensified. I felt sure he had to be understanding the dangers, understating the probability of a bad outcome along this path. I find myself most troubled by a passage detailing a dystopian scenario. Now, the new Luddite challenge. And by the way, I had this conversation with Ian Crossland and, you know, he's like, I don't want to be a Luddite. We talked about AI. We talked about transhumanism. Uh, I showed him some of the new AI prompts in Photoshop. Again, once again, the thumbnail we use today, although the John Lennon uh, picture was myself taking a photograph and running it through some filters, et cetera, et cetera, uh, manually man manipulating it, everything else in there including the agent and the Beatles and the desert, all AI generated. Uh, and, and we're in the baby steps of this thing. You know, um, some of the new AI generation, in fact, I should play that video. We'll see what we get to today. Um, is this NVIDIA Omniverse. We've all heard about the metaverse. Well, the Omniverse is this new NVIDIA, which is basically, uh, for those that don't know, video cards for the most part that are either in something like your Xbox on the lower end or your high-end PC, people that do editing, 3D graphics, often utilize uh, these systems and chips. And now they've gone full AI to the point where they're taking a PowerPoint or a PDF file of a floor plan and they're building the factory from the floor plan via AI. And it and you can add physics and it works. It's wild. It's where we are, we are now. And although that AI is currently being run by human beings, the prediction is, guess what? It's just going to be more AI running it in the future. You talk about automating people out of business. My goodness. First, let us postulate that the computer scientists succeed in developing intelligent machines that can do all things better than human beings can do them. 
In that case, presumably, all work will be done by vast, highly organized systems of machines, and no human effort will be necessary. Either of two cases might occur. The machines might be permitted to make all of their own decisions without human oversight, or else human control over the machines might be retained. If the machines are permitted to make their own decisions, we can't make any conjectures as to the results because it is impossible to guess how, much machine, how such machines might behave. We only point out the fate of the human race would be at the mercy of the machines. It might be argued that the human race would be, uh, I'm sorry, uh, that the human race would never be foolish enough to hand over the power to the machines, but we are suggesting neither that the human race would voluntarily turn power over the machines, nor that the machines would willfully seize power. What we do suggest is that the human race might easily permit itself uh, to drift into a position of such dependence on the machines that it would have no practical choice but to accept all of the machine's decisions. Here's the real scenario, though. At the top of those machines, there will be always humans that program them. It's a destroyed-by-design scenario. You understand? They want us to believe that we're just drifting into it. When Actually, it's not a drift. It's a direction. But this is easing the blow. You understand? This is making it more palatable for everybody. And again, this is 20-plus years ago. As society and the problems that face it become more and more complex and machines become more and more intelligent, people will let machines make more of their decisions for them, which we have. Simply because machine-made decisions will bring better results than man-made ones. Eventually, a stage may be reached at which the decisions necessary to keep the system running will be so complex that human beings will be incapable of making them intelligently. At the stage of the machines, it will be ineffective control. People won't be able to just turn the machines off because they will be so dependent on them that turning them off would amount to suicide. That's why you don't want your power grid integrated into this, especially when they're telling you cyber attacks are imminent. All that stuff should be off, off, offline. Every single thing. You should have an infrastructure internally that runs it through a computer system that essentially can't be touched or hacked or manipulated from the outside. That a cyber attack would not be able to affect it. And that's why even blockchain technology with smart contracts is extremely dangerous, and they're prepping you for this. Okay, once again, this, in my opinion, is by design. On the other hand, it is possible that human control over the machines may be retained. In that case, the average man may have control over certain private machines of his own, such as his car or his personal computer, but control over large systems of machines will be left in the hands of a tiny elite just as it is today, but with two differences. Due to improved techniques, the elite, the predator class, will have greater control over the masses because humans, uh, human work will no longer be necessary. The masses will be superfluous. Super, superfluous. See, I can do big words. Will be superfluous. A useless burden on the system. You already hear them. Over the past several decades, talking to the masses of humanity as if they're useless eaters. If the elite is ruthless, 
they may simply decide to exterminate the mass of humanity. If they are humane, they may use propaganda or, psych or other psychological or biological techniques to reduce the birth rate until the mass of humanity becomes extinct, leaving the world to the elite. Or if the elite consists of soft-hearted liberals, they may decide to play the role of good shepherds to the rest of the human race. They will see to it that everyone's physical needs are satisfied, that all children are raised under psychologically hygienic conditions. Office of hygiene, anybody? Hmm? Hmm? That everyone has a wholesome hobby to keep him busy, and that anyone who may become dissatisfied undergoes treatment to cure his problem. Of course, life will be so purposeless that people will have to biologically or psychologically uh, be engineered either to remove their need for the power process or make them sublimate their drive for power into some harmless hobby. These engineered human beings may be happy in such a society, but they will most certainly not be free. They will be reduced to the status of domestic animals. It's not until you turn the page you find out that that is from Theodore Kaczynski, the Unabomber. Stay tuned. After this word from our sponsor, we're going to dis dissect that whole section right there, which seems to be pretty damn prophetic. Do you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS? Have you been threatened with levies or have unfiled returns? The IRS is hiring 87,000 agents to boost IRS collections and they have the power to seize assets, freeze bank accounts, and they can even take your home. Tax Network USA can help you today before it's too late. Our CPAs and certified tax experts have proven strategies that work for taxpayers time and time again. These same strategies have saved over $500 million in back taxes, permanently resolving tax debts for good. Stop collections and get relief today before it's too late. We are back. I want to get into artificial intelligence, what it really is, and again, how a tiny portion of the populace is really in control of it even right now. And Sam Altman and Eric Schmidt, although they testified before Congress and seemingly said different things, we need to stop AI, we need to go with AI, they both said the same thing. It needs to be regulated by the few and not really accessible to the many. So I think that Kaczynski was dead on here. Dead on here. In the book, you don't discover until you turn the page that the author of this passage is Theodore Kaczynski, the Unabomber. I am no apologist for Kaczynski. His bombs killed three people during a 17-year terror campaign and wounded many others. One of his bombs gravely injured my friend, David uh, Gallanter, one of the most brilliant and visionary computer scientists of our time. Like many of my colleagues, I felt that I could easily have been on the Unabomber's next targets. Okay, Kaczynski's actions were murderous and, in my view, criminally insane. He is clearly a Luddite, but simply saying this does not dismiss his argument. As difficult as it is for me to acknowledge, I saw some merit in the reasoning in this single passage. 
I felt compelled to confront it. So the article goes way deeper. I could spend the rest of the two-hour broadcast going over it. We're not going to do that. Instead, we're going to go to this small portion of my conversation with Ian Crossland, who you've seen on TimCast IRL and a multitude of other platforms, discussing AI and eugenics, a.k.a. the rebranded eugenics under this transgender, transhuman agenda, transgenics. Here we go. If they've got about 30 seconds of, and by the way, there's other examples of this, uh, of your voice, they had tricked a film company by calling and in real time had the Cumberbatch voice through AI, uh, and it was only when they wanted a video conference they weren't going to give them the $250,000. This isn't even a uh, an isolated story at this point. So some people are also... Uh, for it, oh, Okay, so I played 60 Minutes. Okay, there's a 60-minute segment that I could play you or, or, or send to you where this woman comes in. She's being uh, interviewed by 60 Minutes, obviously, and she has the... Uh, interviewees the interviewer's voice right so she takes that voice she creates an ai she um spoofs that person's phone number because obviously she has that person's phone number and calls her assistant and she calls the assistant in her boss's voice and asks her for her passport number and without thought because it comes up her boss's number and her boss's voice she doesn't think twice about it and gives it up and then she plays the thing for her, and she's like, "Oh my God, I gave away your passport number." So it's a, it's a dude. Voice is on in real time, in real time, commercially so available. Is, what's that? Commercially available. That's not. It's yeah. It's 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 good enough to trick the average mind for sure. But I wonder if it can reach the soul away in the same way that a human does well I that's the thing know. it's I, so so that let me let me make it clear it's not full ai i'm talking it's just in the inflections and voice of that person so it's like a voice modulating yes machine. it's a real-time voice modulator based on previous recordings so it's and not, as i was yeah so it's not oh, the computer talking as i was saying like i wonder if a computer will ever be able to replicate a human voice i was just thinking about itunes and like, like that's a computer replicating it's a recording which is a replication of a human voice. It's still John Lennon. I'm just as tran transfixed by it. Although when you go to a live concert, you know the difference. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can feel the bass pumping through your body. You can see the guy vibrate, feel the guy vibrating in front of you. But, you know, virtual recordings are, are still spectacular. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and if it's a difference of spending a thousand bucks to go fly somewhere and watch someone or get the computer version of it for free, I don't think there's going to be much competition for the artist to play live. Uh, maybe this is just me hoping. Like, I don't want to be a Luddite here. If Are humans just becoming obsolete? That's something that we were talking about with Zach today. Like, are we building, are we the cells in a body that are creating the super organism of Jason Burmis? Like, you don't think of yourself necessarily as the cells, even though you are. Like, I am Ian, but I'm also part of a super organism that is God, or now that is part of this AI, this that we're creating that's going to only know itself as the AI, maybe examine its own cells, Ian Crossland's at with its own microscope. Maybe it's already happening. You know, maybe God <laughs> is looking at us like the cells in its body and, and transfixed by our behavior. Well, I, I think, I, I think, listen, what? 
I'm hoping we're not making ourselves obsolete. In my mind, what, what, what is happening right now is there's a purposeful move by a predator class that over a long period of time has not only uh, controlled a lot of nation states, but resources. That's what's really important, right? I mean, obviously the economic systems, et cetera, the banking systems are important, but you got to have the resources to do that, right? You can't, if you don't have energy, power, the military, it doesn't work. So they have all these resources. And I think that they truly believe that transhumanism is two things. One, it is that we can biologically live forever at the very tippity top. And we can have a servant class or automated robots to do the vast majority of anything. We can live on our own Eden that we create. But in order to do that, the other side of transhumanism is we need to get the general populace to no longer accept their biology or any kind of notions of traditional religion and believe that they can go, I don't know, uh, in my opinion, from transgender to transhuman <laughs> and really think they can be whatever they want. And that ultimately you can have a digital twin or a mind clone and upload that consciousness and you'll live forever that way. So I think it, it, it's a, it's, you get to experiment on a populace, not only with the technology you want them to merge with that is obviously cybernetic, but also things like mRNA and other bio nanotech to see what works. You harness that, you use that for the actual anti-aging tech, aka what Calico does for Google. Um, you, I mean, I'm sure you know, I mean, I, I take uh, NAD+, plus. I take uh, Metformin, I, I take uh, resveratrol, right? And, and those are what's publicly known. But how far can you take it with the populace? And, and really, it's that kind of like creepy eugenics of a godlike populace and the surf class. And, and does the surf class need to be around at the end? You know, you just ask that question. I think to them, it doesn't. So they want society to buy into that, that we're obsolete, that this is, you know, we might as well merge with them like Elon Musk says. You might as well take the, you can't beat them, join them, Ian. <laughs> Yeah, I have thought about personally like plug it in and just to try and control it because I think the AI is going to need it's going to need some some people to resist it and question it and constantly debate the thing like people will be in the in the net in the neural net in a meditative trance surrounding this AI superstructure and just 24/7 in a constant mental debate with this thing to keep it sane to keep it from flipping out and going rogue and they'll they'll be repositing what they're experiencing back to the humans that are awake and outside of the machine. But there's some humans that are going to have to submit their bodies to that in order to, to survive or to, to coexist with this thing. Otherwise it will just totally take over and no one will know what it's doing and how, and I honestly would be, I would be willing to put my body into that state. I think a, lot, a big part of being able to do that is to clear your mind. If you're able to have no thoughts for long periods of time, because if you can't control your thoughts, the AI is going to have control of you it'll be able to read your mind. If you have no thoughts, there's nothing to read. And so you'll be able to move the motion. Um, I, I, I'm open to that. I'm open to it. I kind of like the idea of being in a meditative trance for eternity or until I'm no longer needed. Uh, but so what, uh, just to clarify what you're saying, there's, you think there might be a class of people that are looking to live forever. So like, I think it's born... in doubt. First of all, it's in the writings, man. Like, so, so we just saw it from tr transgender to transhuman and Rothblatt is again, the most powerful transgender a human being on the planet, like national security clearances, helped develop the satellite system uh, for Sirius XM, founded that. 
on top of that works with nasa this is their 1997 book unzipped jeans let me just read you just something really creepy uh, that that's what this transgender agenda is okay to, to normalize that you're going to take control of your biology and do whatever you will this is taking charge of baby making in the new millennium so a transsexual chinese couple <laughs> want to have hermaphroditic children so they can enjoy the pleasures of both sexes the portion of the gene sequence that turns on male sex sexual characteristics is added to a sperm carrying only an X chromosome. The resultant child has both male and female re reproductive tracts. So they're already talking about this idea in 97 of Chinese transsexuals having hermaphroditic babies <laughs> that they genomically control. And by the way, you know what the good eugenics is? Because this is all about the good eugenics because we're taking control of uh, baby making. Would you like to know? Oh, yeah. It's transgenics, literally. Tell me more. <laughs> Tell, I mean, uh, here, here it is, sharing our genome, the fabric of life, expressing our genome, intentional life. Transgenic creationism, my perfect monster, how transgenics works. Should we fear transgenics? This was authored again in 1997, and there was a precursor book, okay? Um, basically, the um, sub-directory uh, of this is uh, the uh, manifestation of the freedom of form. And this person in 95 wrote a book on gender, which is the manifestation of the freedom of gender. So gender ideology is directly coming from this person that also talks about mind clones. And eventually, through lawfare and the science of psychology, we're going to give these mind clones and entities we create rights. Get the whole story on Red Voice Media Premium using the link below, completely uncensored and ad-free. And I'm muted. <laughs> ah! I play part of the intro. I'm muted. Thank God I have this watch on. Uh, thank you, Krista. I really do appreciate that. Um, guys, if you want to see that full interview, <laughs> you want to see that full interview, try it out for a buck today. Redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored. First week is a buck. That is... Ian Crossland, I had another great hour-long plus discussion with Ryan Christian. We're going to be playing a small portion on that on high-level uh, trafficking. We're going to get into uh, this redacted slash Mel Gibson revelation of a possible documentary series. And, um, you know, I, I watched more of that redacted clip. And a lot of it's really good, but then it also shows a clip of Robert David Steele um, who, look, I don't like to speak ill of the dead, passed during the COVID-1984 nightmare, but a lot of the stuff he was putting out was complete and total Johnny nonsense. We're going to go to the final break of the first hour. I'm going to briefly come back over on YouTube and tell you where you can watch the rest of the broadcast for free. Hint, rvmrumble.com after this. We love the internet, but the internet is tracking everything you do. Take control of your online privacy with IP Vanish. People with malicious intent are everywhere, watching you, 
criminals can hack your Wi-Fi, while broadband providers and advertisers monitor your data. With IP Vanish on your device, your internet activity is encrypted. No one can see what you're doing. Your location, your connection, completely hidden. Protect your internet privacy today with IP Vanish. RVMVPN.com, RVMVPN.com. I use IP Vanish. All right, it's that time again. We're going to go over to the second hour, RVMRumble.com. Go subscribe to the Rumbles already. We need more people on the Rumbles. My videos are getting two to three times the views on each station, uh, you know, RVM and my own, more than YouTube. More than YouTube. I only have 17,000 followers, subscribers, or whatever over on Rumble. 70,000 plus here on YouTube. I do three times the traffic on each of those channels almost every day. Should tell you something about the great narrative, who's controlling it, why you should support independent media. So YouTube, you know the drill. We got to end the broadcast with you, and we're going to get wild and uncensored on the other side. Okay. We are free to go. And when we talk about Kaczynski, one of the things that I didn't talk about is that he was actually part of the MK Ultra program in Berkeley. He was actually experienced, he volunteered. You know, I, 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 and I believe that at least the LSD portions of that have been declassified and known. Kaczynski, in a lot of ways, was a brilliant guy on top of it. Um, does that mean there, there wasn't more to these bombings? I don't know. I don't know, but I do know that he was actually part of that program. That's part of our whispered history. Okay. And, uh, the bottom line is we have to pay attention to that whispered history. If we want to even have the slightest semblance of what is actually going on, what is actually happening out there. And when we talk about, you know, the high-level trafficking, etc., you had this news story. Instagram algorithms connect vast network of pedophiles seeking child pornography, according to researchers. Instagram's algorithms have enabled this vast network. So that got me to, you know, the viral redacted ink. I don't know much about that guy. I think he's trying to be genuine. You know, the problem is that when you're just starting to get into this arena, you may not know who's credible and who is not. And unfortunately, again, this guy is uh, promoting some things, you know, for instance, the adrenochrome stuff. I'm not saying there isn't some validity to it. I'm not saying adrenochrome isn't real. I'm saying the vast majority of what you hear from others is not real is second, third, fourth hand information that's being passed along and is not rooted in the type of documentation and reality as, say, a Franklin cover-up or Franklin scandal or the works of a real journalist like Nick Bryan. But that is not to dismiss this stuff. And that's why I want to point people to Transformation of America, the true life story of a mind-controlled slave. Kathy O'Brien um, is that victim. If you have Audible, you can listen to it. And, um, you know, I think Audible is a great tool, especially if you're on the road. If you're taking road trips or, or you commute to work back and forth every single day, it's unbeatable. 
it's unbeatable to have something like that where it's not just music, you actually learn something. You know, one of the things that I listen to when I go on big trips are the Andy Jacobson books because they are dense. And uh, they, I wish Whitney Webb's books were on there, but I have Whitney Webb's books. I just got to sit down, buckle up, and read them. That's the, that's the bottom line there, okay? <laughs> that's, that's the real deal Holyfield. But here we're going to uh, cut to Kathy O'Brien, okay? And uh, this starts off in the middle of her presentation. I think this is like an hour long. I watched this 10, 15 years ago, maybe more. And again... I'm not being dismissive of some of this stuff. I'm just saying, number one, we have to take everything with a grain of salt. But this appears to me to be a, a genuine victim, an eyewitness to some of the most heinous things imaginable that are perpetrated by that predator class and their minions that we constantly discuss here. So without further ado, let's hit Kathy O'Brien sufficient trauma to carry out my first trial run operation. An enormous quantity of cocaine had been flown in on one of these operations and I was to deliver it into the neighboring state of Arkansas. By that time, Bill Clinton's drug operation was in full swing. He was governor of Arkansas and I delivered this cocaine to a remote airport in Washita Forest, which I've since identified as Mena Airport. So again, the Mena, Arkansas scandal is as real as it gets, is as real as we've covered it here. We've talked about Barry Seal. Bill Barr has been named as the fixer in that scandal in one of the CIA um, contracted pilots books as a guy named Robert Johnson. Bill Barr is the fixer. Billy Jack Haynes, whether you believe him or not, former professional wrestler, claims to be at Mena, Arkansas as one of the heavies during these deals and during the time that you had two kids on a train track that almost blew the whole thing wide open. Let's get back to Kathy O'Brien. I also delivered a little packet of information and a small quantity of cocaine, a personal stash from Jay Bennett Johnston to Bill Clinton. I delivered it to Bill Clinton, and he cut out two lines of the coke, and he did inhale. <laughs> uh, duh. And that was the whole thing. Uh, the media made a big thing about me smoking pot, and back then it was still a taboo. So I tried it, but I did not inhale. The media didn't really want to talk about him being a coke monkey with Jennifer Flowers, his brother being arrested for cocaine, his brother quoted as saying, gotta get some for my brother. He's got a nose like a vacuum cleaner. Let's let Kathleen continue. That certainly wasn't the only time I saw Bill Clinton using cocaine. My sexual experience with Bill Clinton was extremely limited, in spite of the fact that I was a sex slave. It was my experience that Bill Clinton is bisexual, leaning far more towards the homosexual end. All I've ever seen him involved in was the homosexual activity, um, with very limited experience with him myself. 
Now, let me say this. As far as that goes, it's a big possibility, right? If you look at recent presidents, George H.W. Bush, old man Bush, specifically named in John DeCamp's book. And the allegations are as such. He was into uh, what was described as a 16-year-old fit black boy. That was uh, allegedly, again, if you look at the Franklin scandal, that was allegedly George H.W. Bush's preference within that network. Now, Bill Clinton and H.W. obviously have that relationship via Iran-Contra and Mena, Arkansas. And Bill Clinton is obviously selected, selected. Now, as far as I know, this is the only allegation of him uh, being like that. At the same time, who is he good buddies with? And who is he traveling on Epstein's plane with? Kevin Spacey. And let's see if we could find this quote from Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton on House of Cards. Of cards, very realistic. Let's see. Here we go. Here we go. Let's see. <laughs> You're going to love this. In an interview with Gotham Magazine, House of Cards actor Kevin Spacey said Bill Clinton told him 99% of what you do on that show is real. The 1% he got wrong, um, you could never get an education bill passed that fast. Now, this is a show in which you have a corrupt politician, Kevin Spacey, that rises to the top with his um, wife, who is also a predator. It's almost like a business relationship, okay, just like Hillary and Bill. They both have extramarital affairs and at one point have a threesome with a man. And Kevin Spacey also has male lovers in the show, even dating back to his uh, his past and his collegiate years, okay? Does that mean that Bill Clinton may be involved in this? Well, Kathy O'Brien says so. And then even Tucker Carlson, in his uh, second Twitter video, Question the sexual activity of one Barry Sotero, a.k.a. the Barack star, Barack Obama. And a lot of what was alleged with the Barack star were his days as a city planner and a state senator in Chicago with male prostitutes smoking meth. Okay? Wayne Madsen did a ton of investigative journalism on that. Before the Barack star, the other Bush, George W. Bush. Let's, let's see if we can't find George W. Bush interacting with a well-known male prostitute who specialized in servicing the military, not only as a prostitute, but a madam for militarystuds.com. But then also had carte blanche access to the White House front row style for his fake news organization, Talon News. 
Under what? The name James Guckert. His name was James Gannon. George Bush, Gannon, bam. Let's see if we can't find the images here. I don't wanna, I don't wanna bring, oh, see it's, <laughs> like this is, I see, I don't want any male schlongage in here. So we're gonna be careful and we did. Somebody um, clearly took stills from my film. Okay, I see it a lot. And uh, put it together here. And you'll notice there's George Bush patting him on the head. There he is kissing him on the head. There's his profile picture. Gannon's profile picture right here. At militarystuds.com. There he is setting in, sitting in the press corps. Okay, here's a, here's a better shot. Because you know what I do when I have a, a you know, a friend in the press as the president. I, I, I grab him, you know, and, and, you know, here's Bush with somebody else. He likes to grab the bald head. Not kissing that guy's bald head. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird that he'd be kissing another bald man's head. Oh, did I mention that Gannon was on the list in the White House? You know, that you've got to check in and check out like over 200 times past 5 a.m. when there was no press conferences going on? Weird. Odd. So once again, I certainly cannot dismiss, all right, I cannot dismiss what Kathy O'Brien is saying here. Let's get back to her. Whereas my experience was much more uh, prevalent with Hillary Clinton, because Hillary is also uh, bisexual, leaning more towards a homosexual end, and it was she who accessed my sex programming to fulfill her perversions. People have all kinds of belief systems, and I'm sure each and every one of you has various and different belief systems as well. Regardless of what your belief system is, it is imperative that you know that these criminals are people. They are within our realm to affect. They need to be held accountable for their actions and their crimes against humanity. Damn right. Damn right. It was 1980 and my daughter Kelly was born. She was born directly into the MK Ultra Mind Control Project on a much higher level, a more sophisticated technological level than I was subjected to. In addition to trauma, she was subjected to harmonic mind control programming on NASA installations literally since birth, before her brain even had a chance to form. You hear that? NASA installations. MK Ultra. Hmm. And you look at microwave or magnetic wave technology. You look at voice to skull technology. In fact, let's type in voice to skull technology. Voice to skull technology. Okay. Just so people like understand. That's not fiction. <laughs> you know, voice to skull devices, DOD, Department of Defense, 
again, NASA's got that nice image of we're going to the moon and we got the rocket ships and we got the ISS and look at the crazy hair. We're exploring. Meanwhile, they are truly part of some of the most inhumane, cutthroat, dark-ass, black projects you could ever imagine. You could ever imagine. Is Kathy O'Brien lying here? It doesn't seem that way to me. It seems like everything she said so far is pretty damn credible. Just putting that out there. As soon as Kelly was born, Senator Byrd figured I'd been traumatized enough by that time and ordered that we be transferred back to Nashville, Tennessee to carry out operations during the Reagan administration. Being within the country music industry, we had a second handler. His name was Alex Houston. Alex Houston is a ventriloquist, stage hypnotist in the country music industry. Above all, he carries out criminal covert CIA operations that fund the black budget. And this certainly included bringing in large quantities of cocaine and distributing them through the United States, Canada, He was working at that time and provided a cover for me to be taken throughout the United States, Canada, Mexico, and the Caribbean for these criminal covert operations. As my handler, he took me to various military and NASA installations for mind control programming for specific operations that I was forced to participate in. These operations that I won't have time to get into tonight are detailed in our book, Transformation of America. And they involve such leaders as the um, president of Mexico at that time, De La Madrid, and Vice President Salinas. It was my experience that in, in 1984, there was a, a, there's a CIA trauma base um, near-death trauma center that's located in Lampy, Missouri. It's called the Swiss Villa Amphitheater. And they bring certain involved country music acts in to bring large quantities of cocaine or, or, and, or bring the cocaine out for distribution. Because Lampy, Missouri is just across the Arkansas line and is very much a part of Bill Clinton's cocaine operation. And it was in full swing at that time. It's also interesting to note that this Lampy, Missouri operation is where the country music industry was more conveniently relocated, you know, right there in Branson, so that it would be closer to Clinton's cocaine operations. I just want to stop it for a second. And I want to, you know, she mentioned somebody there. It's pretty important. She talked about Vice President Salinas, who will eventually become the president. Well, guess what? His son, Emanuel Salinas, okay, was a top member of the sex cult Nexium. Okay, you understand that? Was a uh, was a top guy at Nexium and the Rainbow Cultural Garden. You know the the group that was trafficking not only in women with the Bronfmans, which was very apparent, and branding them and doing different psychological testing 
on them, but was involved with children as well. So there's Salinas. There's his son right there. Carlos Emmanuel uh, Maliano Salinas right there. Now she's mentioning his dad 30 years ago. And then his son is wrapped up in a weird trafficking scandal. Weird! I'm sure it's all just a coinky-dink. Lampy, Missouri was a place where I heard George Bush and Bill Clinton talking. I, where, from, from the point of view I had, they certainly were friends. And they didn't recognize any party lines between them. That's something for the you know, a smoke and mirrors illusion for the public. It's not something they adhere to because they had exactly the same agenda. And that was for bringing in this new world order. Yeah. I mean, go watch my film, Invisible Empire, A New World Order Defined. Bill Clinton specifically rep, um, not only discusses the new world order, but discusses it in relation to old man Bush and his agreement with that new world order. It's on the record. It's in my film. You don't need Kathy O'Brien to be telling you this. He set it out in a forum in front of people on camera. I heard George Bush talking at that time. He was talking to, to Bill Clinton and, and I've since photographically recorded it and, and wrote it verbatim in our book. That when the American people became disillusioned with Republicans leading them into the new world order, that Bill Clinton as a Democrat was going to be put into the office of president. This was decided in 1984. Actually, I'd heard about it even prior to that. But that, as of 1984, they were already discussing it as an absolute fact. It was also discussed in the groundwork for NAFTA that by the time George Bush went into the office of president, that Salinas was going to become president of Mexico, and they together would be bringing in the uh, NAFTA. Huh. How about that, Salinas, huh? Hmm. Just so weird. Which was the beginning of, of New World Order controls. I was forced to participate in the criminal groundwork for NAFTA, the opening of the Juarez-Mexican border to the free trade free trade of drugs, free trade of our nation's children. It's absolutely appalling the criminal roots of NAFTA. Again, this is detailed in, in the book. But it's interesting to note that these political moves had already been decided way back when. And as I deprogrammed, and as, as I was Oh, it was really something to me to find out people didn't know about this stuff. I and mean, it was so obvious to me, I, I didn't realize that, that people were unaware and had bought into some kind of smoke and mirrors illusions of what was going on and never thought to look behind the scenes to what was really going on. But I understand good people don't think that way. They don't have criminal minds. They don't think to look for that kind of criminal activity. Just like these guys are limited in their thinking by immorality, good people are... are are kind of blinded from, from that kind of criminal activity until their eyes are open to truth. But this criminal activity that was going on at that time, the people that were involved were following directions from George Bush. I don't 
purport to know it all. I don't purport to know that George Bush is at the very top of all this, but he is as high up as I knew. It He's a power player. His daddy, Prescott, was a power player. They were social climbers. They were into these backdoor networks via Ivy League schools and the banking industries and then the intelligence networks, the Central Intelligence Agency in particular. Okay, they started their own mini empire, 100% was my experience that Ronald Reagan answered to George Bush. Not robotically, not under mind control, but willingly because George Bush was respected for what he knew about bringing in the New World Order. Consider his past. George Bush first began with the United Nations. Then he went on to head our CIA. Then he ran our country through three administrations that I'm aware of, the Reagan administration, his administration, and the Clinton administration. Because Reagan and Clinton both answered to him. Mexican President de la Madrid answered to him and knew that Salinas was, was to be coming into power. And Salinas had more influence in Mexico at that time than, than de la Madrid, that, as far as my experience was concerned. Also, Saudi Arabian King Fahd followed orders from George Bush. <coughs> as did the Prime Minister of Canada, Brian Mulroney. In 1983, I heard Ronald Reagan and Brian Mulroney discussing the New World Order. Senator Byrd had acted in the capacity of a, a pimp and prostituted me to Reagan, and I was president at this, this White House cocktail party. Now, Ronald Reagan certainly provided a wonderful smoke and mirrors illusion for all of us. For those of you who don't want to believe that he's involved in this, he told you he's an actor. And he did a real good job of it for a long time. That was his role. That's what he was supposed to do. Nevertheless, I heard Ronald Reagan telling Brian Mulroney that he believed the only way to world peace was through mind control of the masses. I know from experience there's no peace of mind under mind control. And I wonder at a world peace where people don't have peace of mind. You're talking about that brave new world drugged up populace. I mean, think about that. That, that again, MK Ultra expanded and extended well beyond the individual into the realms of mass psychological warfare, mass psyops, which we as a global populace, unfortunately, have been under for quite some time at this point. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to her. I'm going to come back to her. I want to come back to her. But I also want to get into uh, the relevant information here regarding uh, Mel Gibson, Redacted, and uh, this upcoming four-part documentary series that's now being teased, and people are talking about it via social media. We, we'll see where it goes. Uh, but you could probably never get a better take than the take we get from Ryan Christian of The Last American Vagabond. I want to remind people 
that once again, uh, myself and Ryan had an awesome, amazing, top-notch discussion over at Premium. You can try it out for a buck right now. Redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored to get this entire interview. Let's start it there. Let's talk about um, what's going on overseas, where you see it going, uh, how much the public is even privy to just the slightest bit of reality when it comes to that conflict. And is there any hope of getting the United States out of that conflict before the 2024 election? Well, ending with that last one or starting with that last one first, I, I, I think that it, I think we all see. I don't think it's the only reason this is happening. It's not only political, but clearly is political. And it is very clearly at, at all, you know, at your expense going to be if like, look, listen, first, I don't think it's going to end regardless because of how much is going on. But if they if they were worried it was going to end, they would stretch this out as in every way possible to the election, because I think wartime is always important from a political perspective in regard to, you know, the, the ele- in particular, the presidential election. But it's hard to say because it's obviously kind of going back and forth and teetering where, you know, some people see it as a positive that, you know, Biden's fighting for freedom. Anybody honest can see that all of the government is involved with this very clear fascist proxy war kind of concept. But, yeah, I think I don't think it'll end anytime soon. And I think that's by design, quite frankly, both because of miring Russia and the same kind of classic idea, like with the Mujahideen and Afghanistan with the Soviet Union. It's the same exact play, you know. But on top of that, we know that there's new agendas, the bio labs and, and research going on there. And I mean, even just human trafficking. I mean, it's just gross to even get into that topic because of what a clear boon it's been for the in particular, the Poland and Ukraine border, which was a problem before this, which has just exploded. No one wants to talk about it, which is like it was in Syria. You know, I, I, I quite frankly think that's an industry that's part of the plan that happens every time we see war. It's pretty disgusting to think about. But I wanted to point out what you said there. It's interesting. The civilians. That it's, I think the real thing, and where a lot of people are beginning to become more comfortable acknowledging this reality, that it's all about narrative, not actual real changes. You know, I think to your point, any war in history, especially U.S. wars, I don't think there's ever been a war where civilians were targeted, ever, by all sides. It's just the fact that at one point they realized, oh, we need to pretend to these people that we are what they want us to be, right? They're starting to care more and they have more power. And so let's, oh, we, we're going to do our best to avoid them or we're going to, you know, so that's, that's an interesting point to think about. They're always targets. You know, you brought up the human trafficking and uh, I was on the phone with my brother this week and I was totally ignorant of this other than the fact that I had heard for a very long time and there had been rumors for a very long time that Mel Gibson was working on some kind of a project um, that was going after the elites, that was going after the predator class. And one of the things that had circled, I feel like, for over a decade was that, you know, his big follow-up movie was going to be on the uh, Rothschilds, right? That, that's what spun around. Never really saw any evidence of that or commentary on that. However, Recently on Redacted, which has come out of nowhere to be this alternative media show, I think the Daily Wire puts it on, they make a report that Mel Gibson is about to put out a four-part documentary series about human trafficking, much of it taking place currently in the Ukraine. And I would have maybe dismissed it had uh, the individual working with Mel Gibson not been presented in a video talking about how the documentary series was essentially done and they were almost ready for distribution. As you just said, this is not new, and it seems like every time during the quote-unquote fog of war, whether or not there's a huge conflict or even a small conflict or even emergency, 
that's not in the fog of war, like, I don't know, say Ebola and the World Health Organization, you get into this dark corruption of those in power exploiting women and sometimes children in the sex trafficking trade. And this is a trade that has been known to us since the beginning of time. Yet, we constantly either ignore it or completely marginalize it to the point where all of a sudden there's a headline on the Wall Street Journal that Instagram, no kidding, and Twitter and every other social media platform has these black holes and back doors for pedophiles to communicate. <laughs> you know, and that's just a microcosm of what's going on on a larger scale. So, so speak to that headline because, you know, I, I saw that going around f for a while and people have been saying, oh, Pizzagate's been vindicated. I'm like, well, if you were paying attention, a lot of what was going on during those DC e emails had already been vindicated. It was simply mixed in with hyperbole and talking points and Bernaysian propaganda in order to discredit the whole thing. Hillary Clinton's running a sex trafficking ring out of a pizza shop that's taking peripheral issues, combining them into one glob of not true, <laughs> rolling it out there for the public perception, and then dismissing the emails about children being Ubered to a farm for entertainment in a heated pool, you know, right. glossing over the fact that Aliphantus had Antinous, the, uh, the Greek god of man-boy love, literally pedophilia god, as his avatar. Those things never discussed in the mainstream media. This comes out, oh, pizza emojis and CP, cheese pizza, does have communication levels for pedophiles? Weird, weird. So what are your thoughts on that and how it integrates into the larger picture of governments and institutions like those in Ukraine, like the World Health Organization, being involved in these scandals repeatedly over the decades? Yeah. Oh, there's the whole, there's like three questions and all that. I'm hoping I don't forget some of it. But the, 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 the part that I'll start with is just since you mentioned it, it's so interesting that the, the Pizzagate conversation, I mean, even the things you mentioned, which, by the way, shouldn't be dismissed. Obviously, that's op there's some there's something weird going on there. But it's superficial. It's subjective. You could argue that he didn't even know that or whatever. Right. I don't believe that. But the point is that on top of that, as you and I have discussed, and that was that's why I think it's important to point out that there was something that we could get into and investigate around the pizza place or the, the artwork, or as I pointed out recently, the aggressively open, like th there was these weird, as you know, these late night, like right after they closed for children and sometimes the children were still present where they had these weird, like LGBTQ sex shows where they were dressing in drag and screaming very violently sexual things. It was very uncomfortable to watch. It's horrifying. And so this is a pizza place, you know, anyway, the point is there's something weird there, but then we also know that there's things like we all often talk about, the Laura Silsby discussion, uh, Chuck Todd discussing on NBC about the State Department and pedophilia allegations and trafficking of children. All this stuff is not up for debate. These are facts. The children from Haiti that Laura Silsby uh, was trafficking got caught for, that Clinton stepped in and got them off. I mean, these are all, these are undeniable. The only reason they let her go was because they told you, they said they were going to hold them accountable in the United States, and that didn't happen. So it's obviously there was something going on there, you know? So what's interesting in the bigger picture, when you see the constant marginalization, the downplaying of this problem, when even when you got something like Epstein that they're now grudgingly pretending they care about. Get the whole story on Red Voice Media Premium using the link below, completely uncensored and ad-free. Redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored. Get that full interview right now for just a buck if you're going to try it out for a week. 
Ryan Christian, Ian Crossland. Uh, if you look at the other two that we did in the prior week, the Jackman brothers, just a killer interview there. Uh, we're bringing them to you. We're coming in hot. We're coming in hot with in-depth, long-term, uncensored, great, insightful interviews. I'm going to be putting up some of the past interviews, including um, that of Jay Dyer, which I think I have put out on a bunch, uh, Richard, Andrew Grove. We're going to be putting out a couple interviews uh, from the past on them for free because I want everybody to see this material. But get it free. I mean, get it early by supporting the broadcast, by supporting independent media. All right. We're going to go back to that Kathy O'Brien clip. Sufficient trauma to carry out mind control. The ramifications of mind control are far-reaching because I also know that under mind control, there's no free thought. Without free thought, there's no free will. Without God-given free will, there's no soul expression. What kind of a world peace can we have without any free will or any soul expression, without any spirituality? You'd have a predator class dreamscape and a nightmare for humanity and a world primed for a transhumanist takeover. That's what you'd have, Kathy. Mind control needs to be exposed in order that people maintain their freedom of thought, in order that people maintain their free will and have that spiritual expression because of spirituality, when people have soul and spirituality, they're going to be acting in a capacity of love anyway. That is where world peace is, not mind control. By 1988, I'd been forced to participate in numerous operations against my will, all of which I certainly would never have, never have done. I guess if I had had any part of me that was willing to do anything like that, mind control would not have been necessary. I'm appalled at what I was forced to participate in, but I am relieved that this information is getting out that people are passing the book Transformation of America hand in hand, hand to hand, so that hand in hand we can take back our country. This information is information that you have a right to know and a need to know, and their controlled medias are not going to suppress truth. Truth prevails. In 1988, Mark rescued my daughter Kelly and I. We couldn't think to escape. I couldn't think to save my daughter any more than I could think to save myself. And all those, those childhood hopes and dreams were certainly, certainly hadn't, hadn't come to fruition. When Mark rescued Kelly and I, we didn't have any ability to even hope for good people. We didn't know they even existed. We didn't have a capacity to trust anyone. It wasn't within our realm of experience. I couldn't think to reason that Mark was a good guy. But I'd seen him with his animals. And 
even though I didn't have any ability to consciously reason, and Kelly didn't have any ability to consciously reason things out or to think things out, we had this extra sense developed. We sensed things very strongly. Um, after all, when you consider that we use, what, 10% of our brain, we'd been like blasted into other parts of our brain, and these parts of our brain were real perceptive um, on what's considered, I suppose, psychic levels um, by some definition when we had a sense for things, kind of like the animals did. And we noticed that the animals loved Mark. He had these raccoons that he'd rescued. He had three raccoons and they all loved him and they, they hugged him and they wrapped their arms around his neck and they patted on his face. And for those that think that you can't domesticate uh, raccoons, uh, I will say that uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Andrew uh, from Action for Assange, when I visited him in Ohio, he had a couple of domesticated <laughs> raccoons. Just, just throwing it out there. We're in Bizarro World. We're talking MK Ultra, George Bush, Ronald Reagan, and friendly raccoons. Kissed them, and you know, that was really a neat thing for us to see because we had only seen a our, our animals abused. We lived on a farm. We had lived on a farm, and we had we had dogs and cats and horses and cows and guineas and chickens and all kinds of animals, all of which Alex Houston tortured or killed to keep us in line to, you know, if we didn't do this, this would happen to our pet. And we loved our animals. So again, she's saying that the, the sweet old man ventriloquist that we put on the screen earlier, in order to control these people, what? Did violent acts against animals to threaten them. Please bear this in mind that people who abuse children oftentimes abuse animals. If you see someone abusing an animal, keep your eyes open, look further, make sure those kids are safe. I've never seen an exception to this rule. Not that there's not one out there somewhere, but I've never seen an exception to it. So it was, it was very telling to us that these animals loved Mark. Additionally, when he came in and rescued us, I mean, here we were, we were under the gun of the CIA. Everything was very precarious, to say the least. I was 30 years old. I was supposed to be killed, as most mind-controlled slaves are at the age of 30. Besides, I was considered too old for sex by that time, so I was supposed to be wiped out. But Mark came in and rescued me from certain death and rescued my daughter from a fate much worse than death and took the time to rescue our animals. He packed up all those cows and horses and guineas and chickens and loaded them up on, on um, these, these different trailers and everything and brought them to safety as well. This had a profound impact on Kelly and I. We certainly developed an ability to trust right there and then. Mark took us to the safety and serenity of Alaska. Since we were safe for the first time in our lives, experiencing love for the first time in our lives, memories of our past began flashing on our mind's screen. As these memories flashed, and I started to remember what had happened, to me and to my daughter, particularly during the Reagan-Bush administration, I became enraged. I was enraged at what my daughter had been through. 
the tortures I'd endured and, and what the plan was for humanity as a whole. I'd have been blinded by that rage, immobilized by that rage. If it weren't for Mark's wisdom in telling me that the best revenge is total recovery. Because through total recovery, by photographically recording all those events, I could expose these people for exactly what they are, for what their plans are, for what I witnessed behind the New World Order. Be able to get help for my daughter who was in desperate need of help at that particular time. So I began writing out my memories. By writing out my memories, I used a different part of my brain than verbalizing. It bypasses emotion. Bypassing emotion was very necessary for logically making the incomprehensible comprehensible, for understanding and grasping what had happened to us and what could be done with that information. Kelly was not so fortunate. Because of the harmonic programming that she'd endured, remembering the traumas and deprogramming the program did not allow her access to all parts of her brain as it did me. She still needed some technological equipment to help her recover. She needed to actually have those neuron pathways vibrated back open with, with harmonic equipment. And by the way, how much have we learned with human brain interface technology, okay, and then different wave forms being involved in them? Magnetic waveforms being involved in that's real. This woman's talking about this. I think this is recorded in like 92, 93, somewhere in there. Um, it might be, let's see, the, the book appears to be published in 95. So it may be as late as 95. This may actually be right around that time. But again, you're talking about almost 30 years ago that Kathy O'Brien is talking about this stuff almost 30 years ago. And yes, Kathy O'Brien is still alive and on Twitter, just so everybody knows. She's still around. Therefore, she went into Humana Hospital in Anchorage, Alaska, in an intensive care unit. She suffered horribly at that time and responded only to some psychological intervention and not to any conventional medications. Kelly was actually suffering respiratory failure because mind control has advanced to the point where they know the ins and outs of the, the brain and the mind so well that they know how to program not only the subconscious but to go into the primitive mind, the very area of our mind where um, blinking, breathing, and circulatory, heartbeat, all that is, is, is regulated. And they could go in there and put death programs in place. With my, in my daughter's case, it was respiratory failure. So that in the event that she ever had cause to remember, which they never expected could happen, but in espionage, that, that can happen. We've heard of that where the brainwash and where they, they have the memory access. So they wouldn't have, have to take the old cyanide pill anymore like, like they used to, like spies used to. Instead, they would just simply go into respiratory failure, circulatory failure, and no information would be released at all. There was no chance of the information getting out that way. Since my daughter was being raised to be, was genetically and mind controlled, being brought up to be an espionage, she had that program in place and it went into effect. 
because of the medical attention that she needed, she, was, she became quickly thrust into the illegal and immoral custody of the state of Tennessee, where she remains today. The violations of laws and rights that proliferated in her so-called legal case were extensive. We had one clean district attorney that went in and told the judge that he was violating constitutional rights and, and, and human rights in my daughter's case and cited law after law after law and the judge interrupted him and said, but laws do not apply in this case for reasons of national security. And again, when you look at modern day CPS, how corrupt is it? I'm not saying there aren't good people in child protective services, but at the upper echelons, how corrupt is it? How corrupt has our injustice system blatantly become with judges that give no regard, not only for the law, but the Constitution, Bill of Rights, and humanity in general? Just pointing that out. Certainly raises a question. What does national security have to do with a documented, validated, and proven rape and molestation of a child's mind and body? For Kelly's sake, and the sake of so many other mind control survivors out there, we need to lift this veil of national security. We need to repeal the 1947 National Security Act. A hundred percent. For numerous reasons. A hundred percent. This is a national security that's threatening the security of our nation when it covers up such crimes against humanity as mind control, when it covers up the CIA's so-called war on drugs, when it covers up the selling out of our country to new world order controls. That's a national security that has nothing to do with the security of our nation. And look, not stumping for Trump here, but national security, oh, national security is at risk with the documents that Trump has. Billy Barr, if half of it's true, he's toast. He's toasting the most in. National security, national security, 9-11, national security. Hmm? Hmm? JFK, national security. national security has kept information pertaining to mind control for all of you for far too long. We've got to get this information out. We've got to arm others with knowledge on mind control because knowledge is our only defense against mind control. We need to get this information out in detail so that we can all be more effective in our particular areas of taking back our country and ultimately taking back our world for Kelly's sake, for the sake of all the other mind control survivors and victims that I know are out there. There's many, many of them. And for the sake of humanity as we know it.
It is truth that sets us free. Please help us spread the word. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. So once again, Kathy O'Brien still out there. Transformation of America, the true life story of a mind-controlled slave um, is out there. There are other individuals that have come forward. Name names. She names names. Uh, I've discussed those victims as well. To this date, I don't believe people like Kathy O'Brien and others have gotten justice. Um, and uh, it, it just really speaks to where we are as a society. I want to hit just a few other news stories we weren't able to hit in the final few minutes of this. Thumbs it up, subscribe, share. Share the information. We do it live Monday through Thursday for free for two hours. Limited commercial breaks. Compare it to any other thing you watch or listen to on the radio or television. Like literally, the commercial breaks are the equivalent to like one and a half TV breaks tops for like two hours. Pretty impressive. And I want to thank redvoicemedia.com for making that possible. Uh, Italy scandal hit former PM Silvio Berlusconi dead at 86. Uh, I remember when they were on the takedown of this guy for the bunga bunga parties. And I'm not sure if um, if one of the, the girls in the sex parties was supposedly 17 years old. It's been a long, long time. Long, long time. And I don't really have much of an opinion on Berlusconi. I know very, very little about him. But, you know, global events, we, we, uh, we cover them here. Revealed Pentagon leaker Jack Teixeira shared a file claiming CIA had details of a Ukrainian military plan to blow up the Nord Stream pipeline with a small team of divers three months before the attack. You don't say. You don't say. The whistleblower that they've told you is a white supremacist. You know, the National Guardsman? The guy that had all these physical copies of this that shouldn't? You know, on top of the stuff that he leaked, somehow had information about what was really going to happen to the Nord Stream pipeline? While the mainstream media... And the vast majority of the media Muppets out there, if not all, said, Russia, Russia, Ru Russia blew up their own pipeline. Exclusive Jeffrey Epstein's Belarusian dentist girlfriend, the last person to speak him to him before he was found hanged, also visited the pedophile in prison days earlier. As source reveals, the relationship was very serious. And this is supposedly his girlfriend at the time, uh, very young looking. At the time, we covered the fact that he had a dentist chair in one of his homes, at least, that sometimes he had an on-site dentist that would he would force his victims um, to essentially allow to change their teeth. You know, I, I mean, and, well, maybe amongst other things. I'm not 100% sure. Few other stories we didn't get to. We'll try to cover them tomorrow. I do want to remind everybody I'm also a documentary filmmaker. They are all free. I want you to watch them. I want you to share them. Loose Change Final Cut, Fabled Enemies, Invisible Empire, A New World Order to Find, and Shade the Motion Picture. You want to learn about the New World Order? Invisible Empire is your film. You want to see the big picture and possibly my best documentary film ever where we exposed Bill Gates a decade ago? Shade the motion picture. Still don't understand 9-11? Fabled enemies and loose change. And they're going to let you know, just like the vast majority of this broadcast should let you know, it ain't about left or right. 
It's always about right and wrong. We'll be back tomorrow, same bat time, same bat channel, and we'll see you on the flip side. Love you guys.